Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Fill us afresh, Lord. As we make ourselves available to you. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, we bless the Lord this morning. We thank God for the ministry and song by Sister McFadden. Appropriate song for this morning as we focus in on completing this task. We have to be available to the Lord because it is the Lord's work <coughs> that we are engaged in. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so this morning, I'm gonna, I want to read um, uh, from Philippians. Well, I'm going to read 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, verses 7 and 8, and then I'm going to go back to Philippians the scripture that we read earlier. So if you would turn to 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. I'm lifting this out of the context of the angel of the Lord ministering to Elijah uh, as he flees from Jezebel. Verses 7 and 8 says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened <clears throat> by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Philippians chapter verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forth and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm using this text in Philippians uh, to help us get some principles for completing the task 
And for this morning, I'm using the topic, it's a long journey. It's a long journey. Hallelujah. So, Father, thank you for this opportunity to stand in this holy place and proclaim your holy word. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your anointing. Be glorified now. Grant me a fresh anointing of your spirit so that I can minister under your anointing <laughs> and communicate your work clearly to your people. Anoint us all afresh that through your anointing, jokes will be destroyed and burdens removed so that we can complete the task. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. It's a long journey. Hallelujah. I got my phone on silent, but I need to turn it all the way down. And that might have been somebody else's notifications I was hearing, but I was afraid that they were mine. It's a long journey. And I, 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 um, for those of us who are, who are older in the Lord, uh, this is just a reminder. Paul, Paul said to the church at Philippi, uh, as he started this, he said, uh, it's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. So it's never any trouble for me to preach the same things to you again. For those of you who are younger in the Lord and younger in the faith, I want you to pay attention uh, because you have the assignment as well to complete, complete the task. The task has been given to you of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now, in Paul's case, he's very specific. He said he's, he's bound by the Spirit uh, to go to Jerusalem to testify uh, to the gospel of God's grace. And we're taking that general because we know that we have an assignment on our lives to testify, to be a witness to the grace of God in our lives. And if you are saved today, the Lord has demonstrated his grace in your life. It gets, this journey gets a bit difficult. And if, if, you, if you don't pay attention, being a young person, uh, first of all, if you don't pay attention, you'll get, you, you'll, you'll, you will allow the devil to trip you up. He'll trip you up just by looking at people inside of the faith because we're not perfect people. Even though we may lift our hands and we may praise the Lord and we may dance and we may shout, we're not perfect people. One of the things that, that will help all of us to understand that it's by grace that we're saved through faith that not of ourselves, not by works, lest any of us should boast. We are the righteousness of God only in Christ Jesus because we trusted in the finished work of Christ on Calvary. I was thinking about that this morning. Uh, how many of you have ever prayed after you've been saved, Lord, forgive me for doing that? Anybody ever prayed that? Do you realize that Jesus already took your sins and nailed them to the cross? The Lord said, I've already forgiven you. I just don't want you to continue to take my grace for granted. 
Our sins have been taken care of. That's the wonderful thing about being saved. Your sins have been taken care of on the cross. The devil doesn't want you to know that because the devil wants you to stay guilty all of the time, and he wants you to pull back from Christ. He doesn't want you growing in Christ so that you're strengthened and built up so that, so that in this process, you're going to reach other people who are also struggling. Most people don't understand Christianity if they're not really in the faith. That's why when people fall, the world gets it, and they say, this, pe this person was a preacher, and he did this, and he did that, and he did the other. Oh, what a stain against Christianity. But they don't understand God's grace. They I'm saying all of this before I get into the message. <laughs> Glory to God. Maybe I've been missing y'all for two Sundays. I want to preach for two weeks. <laughs> But I, I think as a foundation, this is kind of important because sometimes we talk about it, and we may talk about it among ourselves as ministers and elders. And, but for, for, I want you to listen, young people, because you may feel like this is not for you and that you're not worthy. All right. But, you know, you are. Well, I should say that none of us are worthy. We're all graced. And once we begin to understand that, it helps us in this process of, of completing this task. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go into the message because uh, I will preach a totally different sermon and I got to do what the Lord said do. So last Sunday, last Sunday, uh, Trevor and I were having a conversation. I think it was Sunday. It may have been Monday. And <clears throat> we started, we were just talking, um, and he said something to the effect of, Lord, help this, this younger generation because they have no idea of what a journey is. He said, and then we begin to talk about, you know, growing up in the country and walking through the woods. Yeah, and, and, and you know, sometimes not really knowing where you were going, you know, and, and having to find your way. And you've heard me talk about that when I was younger, I would just go for walks. My grandmother had 40, 42 acres of land, and I guarantee you, I walked that land. I knew that land, but when I first started, I didn't know where I was going. So I had to follow paths, and we had cows, and cows make paths, and I would follow paths. And then she had told me about an old road that went to the back of the property, and I found that road, and I walked the length of that road till it came out to the road that we lived on, which was a paved road. And so I would take these long walks, and I would be gone. Nobody knew where I was going. You know, I could have been killed. Nobody would have known where I was. I would just leave, I would, you know. I was in the country, and it was my responsibility to take care of the cows and the pigs. And so, you know, so the cow would sometimes get lost, and, and, and I'd have to go find the cow, you know. And, 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 and so it was just my responsibility. And I'd take these long walks, take these long walks. <laughs> and, and so we began to talk about he Trevor would say he would go through the woods to get lost and to find his way, and to find his way. And then I went back to the Scripture, and I read... Again, uh, in, in our theme scripture in Acts uh, chapter 20, uh, where, where Paul says in verse 22, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem. Yeah. 
This was actually on Paul's third missionary journey. On Paul's third missionary journey, when it started in Antioch and would end in Jerusalem, the total number of miles were 2,515. When he was in Miletus, where we pick up on this theme, our scripture for our theme, when he was in Miletus, from Miletus to Jerusalem was 715 miles. Now, just think about it. When you think 715 miles today, you're not talking about walking. <laughs> you're going to get in your car and, or take a plane, a ride, a bus, or even ride a train, and 715 miles is not that much of a, a deal. Not a big deal. I'm trying to think in my mind. I should have looked it up. But, you know, to drive from here to Atlanta, a, a distance of, from my house to Atlanta, maybe 270-something miles. And to Birmingham, a six-hour drive, six times five is, six times six is 36. If you drove 60 miles per hour, what is that, 360 miles. So maybe driving from here to Jackson, Mississippi, and we'll do that. I mean, in 10 hours, I can drive from my house to Jackson, Mississippi, in 10 and a half hours, 10 hours. But to walk or to, or to go by horse, because they did have horses, or to go by ship, they had, did have ship. Someone asked me one time uh, when I was talking about going to Liberia, how are you going? Are you going by ship? <laughs> I looked at him and laughed. I said, well, if I went by boat or ship, by the time I got there, it would be time to come back. So, you know, when we think about distances, when we think about journeys today, in our minds, this doesn't seem to be a long, a long distance. Well, think about it. You can fly from here to Australia or Japan in, what, about 24 hours? Anybody ever flown to the, to the, to the, to the Far East? <laughs> uh, military people? I mean, you, th you know, you, you, you fly. I can fly from New York to Johannesburg in 18 hours. People say, oh, that's a long time. But if I had to go by boat. And if the, if the Lord made a bridge over the ocean, if I had to walk. Long, 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 long distances. And I want us to get this concept in our minds because we, are, we live in a generation where things happen really fast. We can do things quickly. We can go places quickly. You can leave Charlotte today on an airplane and fly to New York in two hours. Two hours, you landed in JFK. You're in New York. Yeah. So, so as, I, as, as I processed all of this, the Lord began to deal with me about this journey. This journey that we have to take in completing the task. All right, it's a journey, and it's a long journey. It's a long journey. Before Paul could get to Jerusalem, he had to take this journey of 715 miles. Before he could do what he felt compelled by the Spirit to do in Jerusalem, he had to go on this long journey. And there was no circumventing the journey because they hadn't completed, they hadn't built airplanes back then. 715 miles may have been an hour flight, 
hour and a half flight. But he couldn't, there was no, there was nothing that could help him make this journey any quicker. All right. Yeah. So I began to think about journeying and, and trying to think about some comparisons. And, and for you, this may not be a good comparison, but just think about it. Okay? Just think about it. I thought, the thought, I thought about, you know, when we were, when we were little and went, went to school, uh, to solve a problem, you had to work it out by hand, you know, in your mind and by hand. You had to figure it, you know. So you had to know addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. You had to know that. You know, that's why they taught us those basics in arithmetic. They, now we call it math. We didn't have adding machines to use in school or calculators. We didn't have calculators. You know, when I got to geometry, I hated geometry and trigonometry. I think I, that's the, my worst classes. I had Ds, but at least I passed with a D. Let me tell you something. Sometimes when you pass with a D, you say, thank you, Jesus. I <laughs> Everybody not good at everything, you know. But, but figuring out those long, long, long problems that you had to take your time by hand, there was no calculator. There was no computer to help you with the formulas and working out those formulas. Now, consequently, I, I mean, I mean uh, ad, on the other side, I love conjugating verbs. I mean, English, I was an A student in English, and I just love going through the conjugation of verbs, you know. I, I, yeah. But that was much easier than figuring out those mathematical formulas. But we had to do it by hand. And, but today we use calculators. I think, you know, I remember buying these fancy calculators for Yasuto when he was in, in high school, junior high and high school. Did they use it? We didn't have that. Matter of fact, if we tried to do it, they called us, they said we were cheating. If you tried to bring an ad machine in, you had to figure this thing out. If any of you all watch some of those old country shows, they call it ciphering. You have to decipher this in your mind, which was good because today, today I can, I can rather, I don't always have, a, have even though I have my Adam machine on my phone, I don't always use it. You know, I can go through um, at least addition and subtraction and multiplication and division and figure it out in my mind. I thought about cooking. What? Backing up just a little bit. So in a sense, that was a time when, 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 when mathematical formulas was a journey. It was a journey you had to go on. You didn't, you didn't start and get to the end unless you were a genius, unless you was a genius. Uh, then I thought about cooking. Even today in some societies, cooking can be compared to a journey. We don't think about this. When you get ready to cook, what do you do? Most of the time, you just go to the refrigerator or to the freezer. You take something out. You let it unthaw. And then you season it and whatever. You don't think about hunting. You don't think about going in the woods and killing a deer. Or going to the, we passed the day of going to the, most of us going to the hen house and getting a, a, a hen and cutting the neck off and putting it in hot water plucking the feathers off of it, cutting it open and gutting it and cleaning it. We don't, we don't do that. <laughs> Some of y'all wouldn't eat chicken if, <laughs> if you had to do that. But in some societies today, cooking is a journey. 
You know, I look at, especially for people who are poverty-stricken. When I'm on the mission field, you know, and I, I, I pay attention to, to how people take time and when we're not in the city, if we're in the village, to prepare a meal. And when they're doing it for us, they have to be extra careful because they don't want us to get sick. But I pay attention. One of our ministers one time went with me, and he happened to go out the back door while they were, after they had caught a deer and killed the deer. And, and, and they, were, they, they were skinning the deer and, and cutting the deer open and gutting the deer. You know, all of this sounds gross to people who just go to the grocery store and pick up the meat. That whole time we were on that mission trip, he never ate. He, his wife had packed a, a backpack. He paid $150 to take that backpack with him on that mission trip. And so they ate crackers and the whole time until we got back to the city. But cooking, cooking can be a journey because you, you either, you're either going to hunt for your meat or you're going to fish or if you have chickens, you go to the yard and get it. There's no refrigeration, so you can't, you can't store meat in the, in the refrigerator until the next day. So it's a daily process. Daily process. You pick your vegetables, you eat it that day. You might let it sit overnight, but you're not going to let it sit too nice. And most of the time, most of the time, you're cooking for not just one or two people. So, so whatever you cook, it's going to be gone by the next day. It's a journey. It's a process. A process. Anybody remember seeing your daddy kill a hog? Not too many of us. You know the process. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. So this can be compared to, now that's just, that's just getting the meat and getting the vegetables. Then you got to prepare the fungi. You don't just go to the stove and turn the stove on. You got to get your wood or your charcoal. You got to build your fire. You know, you don't just set the temperature at 350 degrees and leave it. You got to keep the fire burning. You got to keep the temperature up. You know, and, and I watch people cook these great big pots of rice that we have no concept of. And the first time I saw this in, 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 in Riverset in Liberia, I was like, I've never seen that much rice cooked at, at one time in my whole life. And they didn't even have a pot, didn't even have a top for this great big pot that was this big. They had paper over it. And they would watch that fire, and they would lift the paper, and they would add a little bit more water if water was needed, and the rice came out. It's a journey. It doesn't just, just doesn't happen like that. Just doesn't happen like that. Yeah. The task that the Lord has called us to complete is not a walk around the block. It's not a jog on the jogging track at the school or at the park. It's a journey. It's a journey. We're on a journey, saints. Now, think about Paul talking about going to Jerusalem. He didn't wait until he got to Jerusalem to start preaching. He's preaching all along the way. It's just that in this instance, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit had compelled him. He felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem, and he had to get there before, by the Feast of Pentecost. But all along the way, he's preaching. He's preaching. You know, in most places around the world, for poverty-stricken people, getting from place to place is not a quick trip. It's a journey. It's a journey. Sometimes in the villages in Africa, people can walk two or three days 
to get to the river to take a canoe to get to another point where they might find a car if they want to get to where they want to go. I'll never forget my first trip to Liberia. The lady, when we were in this village, she thought there was a nurse there. and she, Her baby was sick. And she was on her way to where we were to bring the baby. But she heard that a nurse was visiting another village. Now, she had already walked, I believe it was two days. And she turned to go to the next village, but before she got there, the baby had died. It's a journey. For Paul, getting from place to place to preach the gospel was not a quick trip. It was a journey. A journey denotes time. It denotes effort. It denotes ability. It denotes knowledge. There's some things you have to know in order to complete your journey. So if you've never really walked the distance to get to your destination, you may have little concept of what a journey is. If your life is lived fast-paced and is lived getting what you want quickly and getting satisfied quickly, you may have little concept of what a journey is all about. Who's walked through the woods for hours at a time? Very few of us to get to our destination. Yeah. What is your concept of a journey? What is it? When Paul, when Paul talked about going to Jerusalem to testify to the gospel of God's grace, apart from the imprisonment that was waiting on him and the affliction that was waiting on him was the journey to get there. The journey to get there. Yeah. With whatever might befall him along the way. Yeah, whatever. And on journeys, you don't know what might befall you. You just don't know. You just don't know. <laughs> I tell you, walking through the woods, anything could happen to me. I could have been bitten by a copperhead. Nobody knew where I was, and I, I got to walk to get back to, to the house. The, the poison would have gone through my bloodstream. Anything can happen on a journey. But the Lord gave him the assignment. Are we listening? Amen. Young people, you're not exempt. You're not exempt. The Lord has given us the assignment. Knowing that the journey is long, knowing that there are pitfalls along the way, so this is a journey that we've embarked on to complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given to us. It's not a quick trip. It's not a quick trip. It's not a walk around the block. It's not a jog around the park. This is a journey that we have to walk out, that we have to live out day by day. And the Lord knows the troubles that are likely to happen along the way as we engage with him on the journey. The Lord knows the distractions that are likely to come our way because Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The Lord knows all of this, yet he's given us this task that we must complete and the journey that goes along with the task. Yeah. So we might have a problem in the Western world, and I think we do have a problem in the Western world for a lot of people uh, when it comes 
because we have access to so much ease, to so much technology, uh, to, 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 to fast ways of getting things done, journeying can be a problem. It can be a problem. The question is, how do we, those of us, <laughs> and when I wrote this down, I said, Lord, well, we need help too. Uh, those of us who assign the equipping task, how do we help others in this process of completing the task and help ourselves? And as I'm having this conversation in my mind uh, last week, I wrote it like this. In the midst of the conversation, Minister Smalls alerted us with serious concern about a prominent pastor, prominent theologian, a professor who renounced his faith in God. Now, some of us would immediately condemn this man for this without a lot of consideration. How could he do this? You know, we had our conversation. Yeah, yeah, we had our conversation about this. But how do we address such situations when we have people every day falling by the wayside? Of course, we don't want to, you, you don't want to see me stand up and renounce my faith and put it in, in, in public. And I've been doing all of this work around the world you don't, that's going to be a, a, a definitely a detriment and a harm to the body of Christ. But how do we address this? But the Lord reminded me of Elijah. You know, God has a way when we start getting lifted up and think, oh, I'll never do that. The Lord reminded me of Elijah, great prophet of God. God performed great miracles. If you read Elijah, uh, 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 First Kings uh 18 and 19, just read it. There's this contest. God is using Elijah, calling his people back to him. And there's this contest on Mount Carmel between the prophets of the prophet of God and the prophets of Baal. 450, 400 prophets of, of God, I believe, or 450 prophets of, of, of the growth. 850 prophets that were opposed to God and following Baal, a ball. About all, or however you want to pronounce it, okay? Lord, and God won the contest. You know the story. Yeah, they, they danced, they cut themselves, they prayed. God, Elijah gave them the opportunity to, 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 to ask their God to, to answer by fire. The contest was whoever, whichever God answers by fire, let him be God. All day long, they, they prayed, they cried, they danced, and asked Baal to answer, and they cut themselves, and they did all of these things. And Baal didn't answer. When it came time for Elijah, he said, okay, this is what I want you to do. Now, this is a separate sermon right here, but it's a good part of the sermon. He said, tear down, tear down the altar that you built to Baal. Let me tell you something. You can't worship God on those altars that you worship the devil on. Some people don't understand. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Some of us in the body of Christ today still want to stay among them. 
I don't understand it. People disagree with me. I got folk right in here to disagree with me. There is nothing in the nightclub for me. Are you understanding me? There's nothing there. Unless I'm bound by the Spirit to go in there and get somebody to come out. Amen. Because it's going to be hard to witness to them while they're in the club. Jesus got ready to heal that man. He took him out of the city. Sometimes you, if you're going to witness the folk, you got to take him out of the city. Oh, pastor, you know, Paul said, I became all things, all men that by any means I might win something. You ain't winning nobody up in that club dancing and jerking with them. Anyhow, that might be just me. Somehow or another. But, 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 but back to the point, God answered by fire. God proved himself. And then Jezebel threatened Elijah's life. And you would think, any of us would think, that God has proven himself to Elijah. So all Elijah has to do is stand. But Elijah runs for his life and prays to die. Thought about this conversation we started having about people whose fire is going out. And you're feeling like your fire is going out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just think about that. Think about that. So when I look at, at this man who renounced his faith in God, something, something had to have been missing in the process. You aren't careful, something will be missing in the process. Now, I believe all of us have gotten tired. All of, all of us have felt like quitting. Oh, yeah, that, that, I told the Lord one time. Now, I didn't tell him I was going to stop being saved. I just said, Lord, I'm tired of your people. I don't want to have anything else to do with your people. <laughs> Anybody ever felt that way? <laughs> <laughs> Woo, y'all know y'all are, y'all are, y'all are something. <laughs> Woo, we, we, I'm sorry, we, God's people. Moses got frustrated. Moses, Moses said, those people you gave me. Yeah, he, he, got, he was frustrated. God told him to speak to the rock. He struck the rock. Yeah. So, so, so this, this journey is long, and things happen along the way that if we're not careful, will discourage us and will hinder us from reaching our destination. The journey, when, when, when Elijah ran and, 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 and the Lord sent his angel to minister to him, just these words always minister to me when I think about this in 1 Kings. When the, when the angel touched Elijah the second time and said, Arise and eat, he said, For the journey, and the King James is, For the journey is long. The NIV says, The journey is too much for you. Do you realize that this journey for Paul was too much for him in the flesh? This journey for you and me is too much for us in the flesh? If you're only dealing with your own ability and your own knowledge, if you, along the way, say, well, let me get to that point. But it's too much for you. It's too much for you 
in the flesh. In Paul's own strength, in Paul's own ability, he would not have been able to do the things that he did. But we have the record that he did them. So what is it? I kind of touched on this last week, and I'm, 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 I may be preaching the same thing, just using a few different words, but it's not, a, it's not a burden to me to preach the same thing to you this morning. What was it about Paul that helped him complete this test? Because Paul got to Jerusalem, and Paul testified to the grace of God in Jerusalem. Now, it wasn't easy when he got there, and that's not the topic of today's message. All right, it wasn't easy when he got there, but he got there, and then he went on to Rome. We don't know if he ever made it to Spain. Some people think he did, but, but that would have been a fourth missionary journey. But, but he got to Jerusalem. What was it? Well, as we've said, the relationship is of the utmost of importance. Listen, listen. Maybe, this, maybe this is not different, but this is what I received in my spirit. Paul had a genuine relationship with God. I mean, that's a message all in itself. And I'm not saying that people who fell away from God in the beginning didn't have a genuine relationship with God or didn't think that they had a genuine relationship with God. But something happened. Something, something happened. You see, this thing is not something you just start. Listen, are you hearing me? One of the reasons I don't care particularly about the treadmill in the gym is that I can get off anytime I want to. But when I walk my neighborhood, I got to go all of the way to get to my destination. I can't, I can't get off unless somebody comes and pick me up. I got to go to Holdren. This is a journey. So, so, so as I looked at this, this is what the, what the Lord said to me. In our relationship with God, we have to come to the point that we make a transfer. A transfer. A transfer is defined as to move, a cause to move from one place to another. So in our relationship with God, we must come to the point that we make the transfer of interest from self to God. What do you mean, Bishop? Most of us are concerned about ourselves. We're raised to think about ourselves. We're raised to preserve self. It's natural to think about self. But somewhere along the way, hopefully early on, there has to be a transfer of interest from self to God. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you treasure yourself, what you want, your comfort, your ease, your opportunities, your advancement, ahead of God or regardless of God, and you say that you are a Christian, there has not been that transfer. This is a tough one. This is a real tough one because it's so easy to hone in on self. People will begin to tell you how great you are. People will begin to tell you how anointed you are. 
Yeah. People will begin to tell you how special you are. And Satan, <laughs> that devil is so slick. And he is. He has a way of, of entering into our minds and making us believe the press. And we can be up in the sanctuary and I give God glory and in our hearts we're just feeling wonderful about people clapping their hands at us and telling us how great we are, how wonderful we did. I always remember when that man came to Jesus and said, good master. Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good but the Father. I mean, he stopped him in his track. Of course, we know the implications of him calling Jesus good. But people are always, you know, we, we, we take it as we're building people's self-esteem. But how do they take it? You know, I, 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 as I grew in the Lord, you don't hear me say, sing, Yvonne. Sing, can't you sing? You don't hear me say that? Because you're singing unto the Lord. And it's not about the individual being glorified. Even with preaching. You know, we grew up in a, in a, in a culture, and it will grieve my spirit. When the preacher's preaching, and, he, and he's being really profound, and he, he has great delivery, and he gets to a point in the sermon, and the other preachers stand up and, 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 and begin to slap him on his back and begin to laugh and begin to, yeah, 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 yeah. you know what I'm talking about. The people in the congregation begin to stand and preach, preacher. And we begin to believe the press. It's easy. This ego that we have, it's so easy to get caught up in this. But this is the culture that we grew up in. And many times we don't make that transfer from self to God. We are created. Get this. We are created for the praises of God's glory. Isaiah 43 and 7 backs it up. And Isaiah 48, 9 and 10, we glean from that, that God saved us for his glory. Amen. Not for our glory, but for his glory. We are a royal priesthood. We are a peculiar people. We are, as, an, as, as a Christian nation, a holy nation. But for what purpose? For the praises of God's glory. Now, we are benefactors of our salvation now. I'm not saying that we're not. Oh, God, I thank you that, he's, that you saved me. You changed my life. But changing my life was not simply for me. It was for the glory of Almighty God. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And if we are not careful, saints, we will forget to make that transfer. We will resist the Holy Spirit in making that transfer. And we will begin to believe that it's all about us. And as I said, we'll be up in the church with our lips giving God praise, but in our spirits and our being, we're just, we're just, we're just loving all of this. We're just loving all of this. So I lay hands on the sick and somebody gets healed. After a while, I got a healing ministry. Mm, Lord, this is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then a few more people get healed. Now I got a healing conference. 
then, then, then somebody recognizes us. The devil is tricky, saints. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be on the, on, on the national scene. We should be. But we have to be very, very careful that the glory doesn't turn back to us, that the interest doesn't get back. There has to be a transfer made. It would be an interesting study. Elder Hoskins like to study stuff. <laughs> he always say, Bishop, I want to do a study on this. It would be an interesting study uh, 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 to look at people who get disillusioned with God. People who get frustrated with God or people who get discouraged on this journey with God to find out if they ever made this transfer. The interest is study. Because let me tell you, something's going to happen along the way that's going to make you question your faith in God. That's why old people would say you got to know that you know that you know. Do I understand everything there's to know to understand about God? No, I don't. Do I know everything there's to know about God? No, I don't. Do I have questions? Yes, I do. But one thing I will not do is deny my faith in God. Amen. I might get tired of preaching, but I'll preach anyhow. Don't you understand? I say sometimes I don't I don't feel like preaching on Sunday morning. But I tell you what, if I went to a church today. And the preacher got sick, and they said, Bishop, you have a word for the Lord. I got a word for the Lord. Amen. I got a word from the Lord. I'll share with you. I mean, you, you may get tired along the way, and I can understand that. But if you've made the transfer, when it becomes all about God and not about you, I believe you can push through the process. Hear Paul's words. Hear Paul's words. L listen, Paul made the transfer. Let's look at the text. Uh, let's look at the text. Philippians chapter 3. Paul said, But whatever things were gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever. Now, he talked about who he was, what he had, all of his er er worldly or earthly accomplishments. He talked about this early on. He said, All of this I consider loss. For the sake of Christ, what is more, <clears throat> I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. How many of you are willing to lose everything for Christ? Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Maybe I shouldn't use this word, this, this example, but, you know, Paul could have been a T.D. Jakes of preachers. But that didn't matter to him. He says, I lost all things. I lost all things. I consider them as garbage. Ooh, Paul, what do you consider as garbage? Anything that I could have confidence in in the flesh. Anything, my name, my reputation, my standing among my, 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 my Jewish brothers, and the, I, I lost it all. I lost it all. Why? That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. 
I want to know Christ. He said, I lost it all. We are clamoring in this age, in this generation for years. We have been clamoring to be someone important and special. How many of you who've worked hard to get to where you've gotten to would say, I consider all of that loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ? That's a struggle for some people. And you know what? Well, Paul, Paul didn't lose his life because God gave him a new life. And that's what we try to tell people. Coming to Jesus doesn't mean that you're going you're gonna to die and be in a straitjacket. Uh, or die or be in a straitjacket. You can die and be in a straitjacket. It wouldn't matter. He wants to give you a life. Paul had a life. Paul's joy was going after Christ. But a transfer had been made, saints. He wouldn't have gotten to this point if he had not made this transfer where it was about Christ and not about him. And that's what God wants us to get. God can't bless you the way he wants to bless you when you think it's all about you. You're forgetting God. You're forgetting righteousness. You're forgetting ministry. You're forgetting the work of the ministry. And you're out there doing your own thing. And sometimes in the name of Christianity, God knows your heart. He sees what you don't see. God knows what you don't know. Yeah. Paul made the transfer. So this is one thing that will help you on this journey. Because this is a long, somebody says it's a long journey. You don't know what's going to come your way on the journey. You don't know what temptations are going to come your way on the journey. Sometimes I sit back and try to think. And, and you know, you can't think. You can't think. I, I like to think. So I'm thinking, you know, if this would happen, how would I respond? But you don't know until it happens. I was in high, when I was in college, you know, I used to take these long walks, you know, because, you know, I was going through some, some personal things and, and dealing with myself and what have you and, and dealing with the Lord. And I, and I, I like to be, and today I like to be by myself. I can just walk. I can ride, no radio, you know, no music, just me and the Lord, just riding and thinking. So one of the things I would think about when, when I was on these walks was, what if my parents died? What would I do? How would I respond? I even had the message to preach for my mother's funeral when I was in, not that I wanted her to die now. Listen to me. I'm just thinking and trying to process things. But I'll tell you what it helped me do. When she did die, it helped me in my grieving process because I knew that death was going to come. Some of us act like death is not going to come. Amen. I told my son, I said, son, when, I said, at first I said, if I die, then I said, when I die, your life has to go on. You can't stop living because daddy dies. Because it is appointed unto man once to die, it's going to happen. Amen. And there's an assignment on your life that you must fulfill. You cannot stop living. Doesn't mean you don't love your, your family. You love them, but you understand that death is a part of life. Let me go on and finish this message. Another thing that helped Paul on this journey to Jerusalem and everywhere else he went was his insatiable hunger for Christ. His insatiable, you know what insatiable means? 
Yeah. If you just in case you don't, you, it means you you just can't get satisfied. You eat all of the all of the bacon in the house and you ain't satisfied. You you know, eat all the rice, you drink all the Kool-Aid, all the lemonade, you just you just can't get satisfied. You just want more and more and more and more. Paul had an insatiable hunger for Jesus Christ. Paul's hunger for, for Christ was never fully satisfied. In other words, he thought he he never thought. Paul never thought he knew all there was to know about Christ. He wanted more. Amen. Amen. He never thought that he had arrived in his knowledge of Christ or, or his experience in and with Christ. Consequently, he kept seeking more. He kept walking with Christ so that he could experience more of Christ. He kept engaging the work of Christ so that he could experience more of Christ. I want you to hear me now because there's something in this, okay? His hunger was insatiable. He was hungry. He was thirsty for Christ. He said in verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. You might say at this point, Paul, you ought to know Jesus. Yeah, I mean, Paul wrote this letter, I think, from the jail, from his jail in Rome. So he's been on this journey a long time. But here, he's writing to the Philippians, and he said, I want to know Christ. I know he's writing to encourage them. But in this encouraging, I hear him saying, don't give up on your knowledge, on your seeking of the knowledge of Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his suffering. Becoming like him and death. How many of us, how many of us want to know Christ that way? We like the power of the resurrection. What about participating in the suffering? Do you want to know him like that? Becoming like him in death. How was he crucified? And what was his state of mind when he was crucified? Oh, God. To know him. And so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That's how I want to know. His, his, his hunger and his thirst for Christ was insatiable. If we're going to endure on this journey of completing the task, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace, y'all listening now, come on, please, don't, don't turn me off, young people. This is good. And anybody else who's mind on the football game this afternoon, I guess football season is over. Just don't turn me off. Yeah, but you're waiting on the Super Bowl. You're watching the playoffs. Don't turn me off. Listen, that hunger for Christ was insatiable. Do you think it was difficult for Paul when he went to a new city to find the saints? Nope. He wanted to be with the saints. He wanted to testify to the gospel of God's grace in whatever town the Lord sent him in. You think Paul took a vacation and he was sitting out on the beach and laying out on the beach and there was a, a group over there praying and worshiping. He said, no, I'm, I'm here for vacation. I ain't going to no prayer meeting today. <laughs> Y'all know how folk do. You go on vacation. Sunday morning come, you don't want to go to the house of the Lord. You're on vacation. We pray right here in our room. Mighty quick. Mighty easy. Yeah. 
His hunger, his thirst for Christ was insatiable. And if we are going to endure on this journey of completing the task of the gospel of God's grace, uh, our hunger for Christ must be insatiable. We must want more and more and more and more of him. Not more of ourselves. Not more of the world. But more of Christ. My life is lived for Christ, not for me. Does that mean I don't enjoy life? I sure do. I enjoy life. But I see how the Lord allows me to minister wherever I am and whatever situation I find myself in. We got to want more and more of Christ. And the way you get more and more of the Lord is that you spend more and more time with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. You spend more and more time with him in his word and in his work. You can't leave off the work, saints. You can get in the word all day long, but you got to spend time with the Lord in his work. You'll never experience more of Christ until you are where he is doing what he is doing. Amen. You must allow Holy Spirit to stir up your inner man for Christ Jesus. Allow Holy Spirit to ignite the fire inside of you for Christ. Allow him to lead you to be with Christ, not just in worship, but also in work. If you want to experience the power of God, get to work. Get to work. Paul experienced God blinding Elamis, the sorcerer, because he was at work with Christ when Christ was working. Paul experienced many people coming to faith in Christ, even Jews, because he was at work with Christ. Paul experienced a lame man in Lystra being healed by the power of God working through him because he was at work with Christ. Paul received the confirmation of his ministry by the church fathers because he was at work with Christ. Paul wasn't sitting down on the sideline saying, oh, God, fill me afresh, fill me afresh. Paul was at work. And the more he worked, the more the filling came. God's not wasting his filling on people just sitting down wanting to get fat. No, 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 no. When you step out to do the work, the Holy Spirit comes and he fills you for the task. I shouldn't say he comes. He rises up in you and he fills you for the task. And you experience this, you experience this freshness. You begin to see Christ at work. Some of the things I've seen on the mission field, I wouldn't have seen if I had not been on the mission field. Some things I've seen right here in houses in York, I would not have seen if I had not been in the house on the job. You're not hearing what I'm talking about. You're sitting in your house fasting and praying. Get up and go to work. Meet the Lord where he's working and you will experience more of him. Because I want to know him. This, this desire for knowing Christ was insatiable. And even though persecution came, even though from city to city, wherever he went, there were riots, there were people opposing him. Amen. He was stoned at one point. That did not stop him because he was with the Lord in his work. The last point of the message that we have to get to. Well, let me back up. Let me tell you something. You don't experience grace 
and you don't experience strength for the journey because you pray and wait for it. Amen. You've heard me testify that whenever I get ready to go on the mission field, I don't have the money. But when I get ready, before I board that plane, the Lord has supplied every need. But if I just sat back and said, Lord, I want to go on the mission field. Lord, I want to go on the mission field. I don't get my passport. I don't get my visa. I've already applied for my, pa my visa for Liberia. I want y'all to know that. Do I, have, do I have the money? Nope. But I can't wait until a week before to apply for my visa because I won't get it. I've already started making preparations on the, on the ground because I believe God that I'm going. I believe God when I get there, I'm going to preach. I'm going to teach. So I've already started talking to the leaders and making preparations. Do I have the money? Nope. But I know who has the money. Hallelujah. I know who will release the money. I know who has been proving himself faithful. But listen, when I get there, that's when I'm going to experience the grace of God. Are you understanding me? In a way that I've never experienced it before. When I get there, that's when I'm going to experience the strengthening of God. You heard me testify about last year in Kenya when my body was strained. I would get back to my room and I would fall out on my bed and go to sleep. But every time the Lord gave me an opportunity to minister, strength would rise up. Young man said, Bishop, he said, it seems like when you get ready to preach, when you stand up to preach, you get energized. I said, yeah. I said son, that's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost because when I finish preaching, or when I finish ministering, that's the Holy Ghost. But you got to be where Christ is. You got to do what Christ is doing, and then you will experience the grace and the strengthening of God. And that hunger is being satisfied. Yeah, but, but, but you experience this, you want more. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, and that's the danger of getting caught up in self. Because, you see, you want more of self, and self can't give you but so much. But, hey, when you want more of God, he can keep on giving. I mean, he doesn't ever run out. His strength doesn't ever run out. His grace doesn't ever run out. Are you listening to me? So when you want more of the Lord, he can give you more. He can give you so much that you just want more, that you just want more, that you just want more. Hallelujah. Last point of the message. There has to be the pressing. The pressing. The pressing. I don't care how much grace you have. You got to press through some things. Hallelujah. But God's going to give you grace to press. He's going to give you the grace to press. Sometimes this can be the most difficult part of the journey. Amen. The pressing part. Amen. A journey is not a walk on a treadmill. Remember I told you that? You can get off anytime you want to. A journey is like a walk through the woods. You've got to stay on this journey. And sometimes when you're walking, your body gets tired. Sometimes you get thirsty. You might even get hungry. Depending on where you're going and what you're doing, if you're climbing a mountain. I remember my son and I, the year before last, we went to Crowder's Mountain. And we were climbing up the mountain. And I got tired. The closer I got to, well, he got tired, more tired than I did. The closer we got to the top. But I was determined to get to the top of that mountain. Yes, my body got tired. Glory to God. But I had to press my way. Are you understanding me? 
This journey requires pressing. You may not feel like doing it, but you got to press. You got to press. Amen. You got to keep on going. Glory to God. You're sweating. You're thirsty. You may be hungry. Amen. But you've got to get to the end. And I believe the longer we stay on this journey, the more we want to get to the end. I do want to hear my Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Come up higher. I'll make you rule over many, but I've got to press. I've got to press. I've got to press. Paul said, oh, this one thing I do, forgetting those things out of behind and reaching forth to that which is before me. I press toward the mark for the prize of the heavenward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, he was talking about going to heaven, but a part of going to heaven is the journey, saints. A part of going to heaven is the work, saints. We don't just stay down here and just sit down and wait to go to heaven. We've got to work. We've got to engage with the Lord. So that means we have got to press. This journey, this journey involves pressing. In the midst of your persecution, you got to press. In the midst of good report and evil report, you got to press. Sometimes it's easy to press when people are talking good about you, but when folk are scandalizing your name, when people are calling you everything but a child of God, you got to press. You can't give up. It makes no difference what people think about you. It makes all of the difference what God thinks about you. And when he sees you pressing, he gives you more grace to keep on pressing. So you've got to press. Can somebody shout press? You got to press when you don't understand some things. I tell you, there's some things I don't understand. There's some questions I have for God. Glory to the name of Jesus. And some questions I say, well, I'll wait till I get to heaven. But I realize that when I get to heaven, that's not going to be on my mind. I'm not going to have these questions. When I see the glory of God, when I see the angels worshiping God, all I'm going to want to do is worship God. When the angels cry holy, I want to cry holy too. Hallelujah. We got to press. Through sickness, you got to press. Through the loss of loved ones, you've got to press. When you feel like getting, when you feel like quitting, you've got to press. When the devil is attacking you, you've got to press. Got to press. That's how we're going to complete the task. This journey is long. It's long. Sometimes I look back. I accepted Christ when I was 10 years old. I didn't know much about being a Christian. But that was 57 years ago. Almost 58 years. I've been preaching for 46 years this year. 46, 47 years. That's a long time. But it's not time to give up. It's time to press. It's time to press. It's time to press. Did I do everything right? Mm -mm. But guess what? I didn't give up. I kept pressing. I kept pressing. I got back up. I came back to the Lord. I repented. I confessed my sins and came back to the Lord. and kept on pressing. I've got a task to complete. You've got a task to complete. 
When I was 10, I didn't know the Lord was calling me to preach or going to call me to preach. He called me to salvation. Nobody told me that at 10 years old that I had a message that I could give, that I could testify to the gospel of God's grace at 10 years old. Sometimes I look at some of our young people in Africa and I see them on fire for the Lord. I look at our headquarters church in Liberia and, and Bishop Weir has already commissioned some of the young people and they've been going out doing evangelistic work already on the field. Then I look at us in America. <laughs> I said, Lord, what can happen to us that we can start raising up our young people that they're on fire for God, that they have the gospel in such a way that they can go out and witness to other people. You say, oh, their lives, they don't have much to live for but church. Maybe they understand something you don't understand. I said last Sunday, there is an inordinate attention <clears throat> given to self in this society. <clears throat> and in the Western world, it seems to be greater. Maybe because we're seeing so much on, on television, on the internet, so much emphasis on you looking pretty, you looking good, you being fit. <clears throat> You being rich, all this stuff, all this stuff, which is not anything wrong with it in itself. But if you haven't made the transfer where the interest now is on God and his will and not so much on you, then self rule your life. You'll press, but you'll press for self. I want to use this example. And the person is sitting in here, so it's not a bad example, it's a good example. So, you know, just keep looking at me and nobody know who I'm talking about. So I was talking with one of our members the other day. talking about this particular situation with a particular person that he really loves really close in his life. And he said, well, when I say this, I guess you're going to know what I'm talking about. But I still won't call the name. He said, I'm going to my grandson's practice. I said, it's cold. That man, he said, that guy practices. It doesn't make any difference whether it's cold or not. He's going to practice. And I thought about it. Thought about if we had that determination when it comes to our spiritual lives, that we press even when things are not going well because there is a goal that we're reaching for. Listen, you got to realize that the Lord wants to bless your life, but he has to be number one. Seek first <clears throat> the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And what? What? 
do you believe it? That's the thing. Do you really believe it? That we put God first. We press into the things of God. He will allow us to do the other things that are good for us. But our interest, our focus is on God and his glory. So on your job that you have studied so hard for, worked so hard to, to pass a test and excel, then you become a witness for God on that job. Be different. You don't have to sit and drink with the guys. You can have a Coke while they're drinking. And be proud that somebody's going to ask you, man, why, are you, why, why don't you drink? Now you got an opportunity. You got to testify to the gospel of God's grace. But you're not going to do it. unless you've made the transfer. God doesn't want to take those things away. He wants you to excel. He wants you in high places. I said he wants CEOs of corporations because you're in a place to affect thousands of people. wonder how many people, if it was more than just a money thing, and I've never read this, when you read about J.C. Penney, who gave God 90% of his income and lived off of 10%. What kind of witness was that? You can be rich but sold out for Jesus. But you can be rich and trust in your riches and can't see how you can trust the Lord and still live. This is a journey, saints. This is a journey. The Lord is calling us <clears throat> so that we can complete this task. There are more people who need to hear about Jesus. You are the ones that the Lord has called to testify to his grace in your Jerusalem, where, which can be wherever you are. You say, well, I don't feel bound by the Holy Spirit. You're bound by the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you. You're born again. You're bound by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, he wakes you up at night, gives you people, put people on your mind to pray for. That's the Holy Ghost working. The Holy Ghost will have you in Walmart and say that person needs you to pay for her grocery. The first thing come to your mind, well, I got light bill to pay I got gas bill. I got to get my fingernails done and I got to get my hair done. Uh-uh. You just missed the Lord. God's setting up opportunities for you to give an answer for the hope that lies in you. And it might be an opportunity to strengthen you more in your faith. I did something the other day and I didn't have it. Well, when I say I don't have it, I mean, I don't have it in my usable bank account, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, because I got it in retirement and what have you. But I did something, and I said, I'm just going to do this. 
and watch God. I wrote my check this morning just for the offering. And because of having to pay taxes and other things, the money wasn't in the bank. $40, I'm telling you. Well, it wasn't in that bank account. $40 just for an offering. I said, I'm going to write this check. And I said, maybe by God's grace, I'll make a deposit tomorrow before the check gets there. Well, guess what? I'm going to make a deposit tomorrow. Amen. Because I got the check already to make the deposit. That's more. That's, oh, thank you, Jesus. Now I can do this too. If you look, if you look ahead and try to say, well, can I do this? No, no, no. You got to do what God says and then let God prove himself to you. That's experiencing God. Experiencing God. I made a commitment that I was going to send some money to Bishop Breeze. I said I was going to ask the church. But I'm not going to ask you because y'all going to send me to the library with the Lord's help. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to send it myself because of what God did. Because of what God did. But I had made the commitment. But years ago, and I'm, I'm almost finished. Years ago, we were at a full gospel conference. And Bishop Morton asked us to give a specific offering. And I didn't have it. I'm one of the bishops now. Okay? And I didn't have it. And he said this. He said, if you don't have it, make the commitment to give. And the next time it's asked for, because you made the commitment, you purposed in your heart, the Lord will give it to you. I made the commitment because I want to give. Guess what? From that point on, every time an offering was asked for, I had it to give. But you got a purpose in your heart. And then you experience God. You're not going to experience God when you're just sitting back. Waiting on God to fill your bank account. Waiting on God to heal your body. Waiting on God to save all your children. But take the ones that save and let them be a seed. And then continue to pray for and talk to the ones that's not saved. And believe God for the healing. Don't wait to serve God till you get everything right. You're not going to get everything right. Anyway, let me finish this. Praise the name of Jesus. God bless you. I pray that this message has encouraged your heart today. Amen. God wants you. He's called you to, to the task of testifying to the gospel of his grace. You are saved. You've accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. That's your task. If you feel like you don't know what you need to know, there are plenty of opportunities for you to learn. But remember, you're testifying to the gospel of God's grace in your life. You may not know what I know, but you know about God's grace in your life. You start there and let God give you more. Let God give you more as you present yourself to him. Make the transfer. Stop focusing on yourself all of the time. Make the transfer. Transfer self-interest to God interest. Let your life be lived for the glory of God. Make the transfer.
If you start studying and praying and doing, the Holy Spirit is going to increase your hunger. Have you ever tasted something new and said, hmm, this is good. What do you want to do? <laughs> Give me some more of this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In the process, you've got to press. You've got to press. Let's stand. Maybe there's someone today who would like to commit yourself to the Lord and doing his will in your life. If you are not saved, first of all, <clears throat> we want to give you the opportunity, whether you're listening, whether you're in the sanctuary, whether you're listening online, we want to give you the opportunity to ask Jesus to come into your life and save you from your sin. He's waiting on you. You're not waiting on him. Jesus died on that cross over 2,000 years ago, shed his blood, gave his life to provide salvation for everyone who will believe and receive. So he's already done the work. He's waited on you. You can't save yourself. You can't do it. You can't be good enough to save yourself. You can't do enough good works to save yourself. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. Not of works. Not of ourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The Lord took all boasting away from us. It's only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting in what he did for you on Calvary. And it was done. We say it's the finished work. No other salvation, no other, no other sacrifice can be given to provide our salvation. Jesus has already done it. If you will believe today and ask Christ to come into your life, he will do just that. So, if you're in the sanctuary or if you're listening online, if you want to receive Jesus, pray this simple prayer. And it's a, it's a prayer of faith. You may be repeating after me, but I pray that you're saying that my words help you verbalize what your will is that you want, Jesus, in your life. So pray the simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. But Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Your death satisfied God's law that says, soul that sins shall surely die. I deserve death for my sins. But I believe, Jesus, that you took my place in death on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for dying for me, for shedding your blood on me. Lord Jesus, please come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I give my life to you. Thank you for saving me. Amen.
I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.